asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Let's be honest, the first place our family turns to when we're looking for a quick getaway is always Airbnb. I know we can find an amazing place to stay at the beach, like St. Simons on the Georgia coast, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's one of our favorite spots. That's what comes to mind, Matt, when I'm thinking about travel. And while you're staying at someone else's home, have you ever thought about what you could be doing with your own home? That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you are away because that is all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room if you've got one. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're answering your listener questions. Buddy, it's Monday, which means we've got listener questions to get to. We got a lot of different financial advice that we're going to touch on today. Uh, we're going to actually we're going to discuss the best ways to save in your monthly budget, specifically when it comes to groceries. Uh, another listener, he's wondering if he should be looking at life insurance. Uh, he's in his twenties, and we're going to hear from a listener who's asking about early retirement, but specifically as a government or maybe not government, but as a public employee. In the public sector, there you go. Yeah, yeah. we we'll get to all that and more. And, and that that one's that one's interesting because there's always when you're talking about retiring early, you, early you have to to fund early retirement, but you also have to fund normal retirement, which is a long time. So it kind of makes the task just a, a little more difficult to square. We'll talk about mm-hmm. that uh, when we when we get to that question. But Matt, uh, before we get to listener questions, uh, we had a listener email come in to our inbox uh, a week or two ago. And it was from listener Liz. And she was like, I that's, just, how, that's how she wrote her. She signed off as listener Liz. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I just have to share this with you guys because I found it crazy. You guys have been talking more and more about how tipping culture has gone insane, gone berserk. And 
I found the strongest evidence of that yet. She basically said she was making an e-commerce order. I want to say it was for like some organic uh, sort of nut oh, butter or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's yeah. Fancy peanut butter or Fa- yeah. Yeah, fancy jelly or something. And so... Uh, the know, finest PB&Js yeah, are made it, at Liz's house. It, these are these are, <laughs> these are expensive nut butters, but they're something Liz prioritizes. But what she wasn't expecting was a pitch to tip the workers <laughs> yes. who work there that she's never even seen her met face to face. But be, when she's placing an online order, which just, again, baffles me, I'm, I'm continue to be shocked um, at how extensive tipping culture has gone, how much worse it's gotten, how much more fraught even in, in, everywhere you go. Whether it's counter service, it's like, hey, would you want to tip 18, 20, or 30%? You know, like, what? Do you what? Think, do you think it's going to continue, though? Because I, like, I almost feel like we've reached a point a tipping point, if you will. <laughs> if you, if you will. I hope we have. I think maybe we're we're at the tippy top of the amount of tips that are <laughs> that are being asked of us. Because I feel like so much of it, we just saw such a run up during the pandemic with folks getting cash infusions. Folks, there's like a desire to make sure everyone stays employed. Like in yeah. a sense, everyone was. It felt like everyone was kind of like looking out for each other. There is like this collective sense of community. But as things like student loans have resumed, and I don't know, has uh, incomes haven't kept up with inflation. Like there are sure. all these factors that in my mind feel like the stimmy money has dwindled. Yeah. Like in my mind, I can't imagine that the tipping culture, uh, what is being asked of us, that that would continue into the future. Yeah. But no, I, I, think, don't, I don't know. I it, think you're right. It I think it, it had a moment and that moment is hopefully on the decline because people are going to not just kind of roll their eyes at stuff like this in the future. They're going to start to make decisions about where they shop in the future based on the things that they're being asked and mm-hmm. how much how much money they're kind of being shaken down for. And that's, that's, yeah, if that's, I'm buying nut butter like. <laughs> online and I'm already paying a premium for the product, I don't want to be asked to tip afterwards. And in fact, that might be, turn me off from your company altogether. I, I would I would say that if it was like it's like an uber super local company where maybe I have been to the facility and I know that it's just this one family yeah. and normally. I go there in person. It's like but Sheila and Rob, and they're running the place. Exactly. Like, okay. But like the way that... But, but even then... That email she sent, like it made it seem like a warehouse. Yeah. And it's just like, wait, am I tipping warehouse workers? Maybe they should just pay the warehouse workers exactly. a, a living wage. And then and then maybe, I don't know, charge more for the product sure. instead of asking for tips. Because, uh, it, that, and that is the problem I think most people have. It's like, just tell me what the price is. I'll decide whether or not I want to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And this sort of like begging for tips thing, uh, you know, when you, especially in places where it used to not be expected, uh, and we were just normalizing tipping in all of these areas, I think it, it, for some reason, it makes people question whether or not they should be tipping in normal circumstances, which is not good, right? Because because the, when you're when you're actually sitting down to eat somewhere, or you should be more reliant you should on, be generous yeah. uh, tipping in those situations. One hundred percent. But then these other places, the boy cried wolf on on tipping to some you know worker in a factory when they are getting paid a, a wage and they should be getting paid if they need to get paid more. Then these companies need to pay them more and charge more for the service. But I think uh, so. Yeah. But here's the thing: you always have a choice. Unless it's a mandatory tip, in which case it's not a tip anymore. Yeah, <laughs> then it's a fee. But as individuals, and we always have that autonomy, right? Like we sure. have the agency to be able to to say no. And in those instances, and you have the ability to say, "I'm going to get my nut butter elsewhere because that annoys me." <laughs> going to go to Costco and buy right. like five pounds of nut butter. That's right. But enough about tipping. Before we get to our questions, let's introduce the beer. 
You and I are enjoying a strawberry lemonade sunset. This is a beer by Inner Voice Brewing, where we had our listener hang not too long ago here yeah. in Atlanta. We'll give our thoughts on, on this one at the end of the episode, but let's it move smells on. Smells really nice. Yeah, it does. Uh, we'll, we'll, let's like, get to our listener questions, Matt. And if, by the way, if you're listening and you're like, I've got a money question, I'd love Matt and Joel to tackle it soon on the show. We'd love to do that. Just go to howtomoney.com slash ask for the simple instructions uh, for how to get your question to our inbox. And hopefully we can take it on the next next Ask HTM episode. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, you don't even need to read the instructions. Record a voice memo, email it our way. It's that simple. Uh, but Matt, let's get to our first question of this episode. This one comes from a listener who is curious about efficiency when using her cell phone, not in the United States. Hi, Joel and Matt. This is Seda from Sacramento, California. I had a question regarding um, international roaming. I know you guys just did a podcast on that um, not too long ago. And um, I have, I also have Mint and have been struggling with, um, you know, the international roaming data. Uh, using the Mint um, international roaming data, I it does go really fast. And um, in my search, I came across an app called Airlo. Um, it's been it's been popping up a lot uh, for me um, on my YouTube search. And I was wondering if you guys had heard of it. Um, it's spelled A-I-R-A-L-O. And it's supposed to work as um, you're supposed to. It's an eSIM. Uh, you purchase eSIMs for the countries that you are going to travel for. And you can purchase different data plans. A lot of YouTubers have been raving about it. And I was wondering if you guys have heard of it and if you recommend it for international roaming uh, plans. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, and I appreciate it. And I love your podcast, by the way. It's great. I listen to all the new episodes that come out. Keep up the good work. And thanks again. All right. Seda, thank you so much for being a regular listener. We need folks like you to listen to every single episode. <laughs> the few, the proud. <laughs> but let's, you're specifically asking about international cell phone usage. This is like one of the things that honestly, it used to be a huge problem, but in recent years, it's become so much more manageable. Oh man, Matt, you remember just long distance calling traveling think about how much easier traveling anywhere has gotten these days emily and i when we were in new york we were just uh, admiring google maps and how getting around the subway has become a billion times easier and so it's just 10 15 years ago at 20 25 years ago it was or even so much more difficult even 100 like that's the thing like oftentimes there's comparisons about oh well, there's a question. Would you rather be a millionaire 100 years ago or just an average income person today? Yeah. And the life that we can live as an average American is so much better than <laughs> the life of a millionaire from 100 yeah. years ago because of some of the, the simple luxuries that we all, all have access to. Even, even just indoor plumbing. Even that. Well, even I was going to say with like a super cheap cell phone company like Mint Mobile, which Seda, awesome to hear that you are with Mint. They do have an option for using your, your same plan. But getting international usage out of it is a bit tougher. <laughs> like you mentioned, like we discussed actually a few weeks back, the service that Mint provides when it comes to their international plans, it just, I, I'll be honest, it straight up sucks. Yeah. And it's not that the service is bad, it's that it is so expensive. We attempted to use it for the first time in May in Scotland. It was and terrible. Yeah. It was, we, oh my gosh. We, we love Mint in the contigu- in contiguous 40, <laughs> 48 states or whatever, but when trying to use it abroad, it's, it's, it's bad. It's terrible. So... Last time we talked about it, we tried to put it in perspective, but this is what they charge. They charge 20 cents per megabyte. But even last time we talked about it, I don't know if we were able to make it clear enough, like what that means, because, and this is, so let's provide an apples to apples 
comparison, most abroad cell phone providers that we're going to discuss, you can get uh, gigabytes for something like a, like a dollar thirty or two dollars per gigabyte. Mm-hmm. Mint Mobile, they're charging twenty cents per megabyte, which means two dollars for ten, twenty dollars for a hundred. You're looking at two hundred dollars for a gigabyte. Two hundred. Wow. Yeah, that is. It's over 100 times more expensive than what some of the most competitive providers are going to be overseas. Yeah, this is a place where Mint falls flat on their they, face. They definitely have yeah. Yeah, kind of screwed the pooch there. Still love Mint, but man, I wish <laughs> they'd pick up their international options because those are trash. And Seda, if you travel regularly, we still think Google Fi, we're going to get to part of your other question too in a second, but we still think Google Fi is likely your best bet because specifically, if you have four lines on a Google Fi plan, we're talking about an $80 monthly bill, which is $20 a line. Sadly, the weird thing about Google Fi is if you have two lines, it's still $80 a month. So you really, really, really benefit by adding two more people and splitting the cost of that service with them. You uh, and three others. Exactly. Find three people and that's a great deal. That's right in the sweet sweet spot of what we want people paying. And Google's international offering is pretty darn great too, right? You can, you can bump up to their more expensive option, which doubles the price and then you can use it in 200 plus countries. And uh, so again, if we're talking four lines, $40 a month for unlimited everything international, that's pretty great too. Sounds pretty awesome. And then you can always bump down your plan to the cheaper one when you return to the States, which is great. So it just eliminates any sort of hassle factor, which like I said, it's gotten so much easier uh, and we'll get into the heart of that in just a second. But still sticking with one plan that you get domestically and being able to... As opposed to going with an entirely different product. Being able to ramp it up and down at will, I think is still the easiest easy button. It's very Uh, appealing. Yeah. So (laughs) I think Google Fi is definitely one of the best providers out there. And especially if you travel international regularly, they're probably the best cell phone provider to be with. Yeah. Okay. So something else that is worth mentioning though, listener Greg, he actually reached out to us after we talked about Mint Mobile last time uh, when we were talking about international travel. Uh, And he mentioned that most modern cell phones actually have two SIM slots. Like there's the, uh, you know, the traditional SIM card that you can stick in there that when you bought your iPhone or whatever phone years ago, you had to swap swap it out in order to get your number. You can have like a bobby pin to... (laughs) <laughs> or pa- paperclip exactly yeah. but then there's also an e-sim option and there's not like a second slot actually depending on your phone you can have multiple e-sim providers uh, for your one phone and just like switch back and forth at will exactly but this makes international travel a lot easier because you can essentially have two services at the same time and then you just choose which one you want to use you can just toggling in settings yeah so literally at least on the iphone you just change what the defaults uh, provider is, but e- they make it even easier though too because you can. What's so great about it is you can choose. Let's say you're going to make a call, you can in the moment choose to go with the other cellular provider. So depending on, I, I think a lot of folks do this with like business lines, mm. right? And so if you have an actual separate number, but you want to be able to use it on the same device, it's a way of doing that without using something like Google Voice with call forwarding and or, or all that. It's literally using actual service with your actual phone. But what's great about that is like you don't have to buy a physical SIM. Once, say, you go to Europe or wherever it is that you want to travel, you can still do that if you want. But the ability to install a new eSIM from basically any carrier out there in the world is amazing. The ability to do that remotely, to not have to go somewhere and buy a card yeah. uh, is 
incredibly convenient. Yeah, you just have to so go to like a gas station or a drugstore or some sort of internet cafe in order to get the the actual physical SIM card. And so, you, you know, from the airport, you had to get to that location, buy the SIM card you wanted, get it in your phone, take the other one out. Now, with or the go ahead and do it at the airport where you're paying more. You're paying more there. <laughs> yes, exactly. premium that they're charging. Yeah, and so it's, it's just so much easier now to do the eSIM. You can set it up ahead of time, which is great, so that when you when you get there, you hop on airport Wi-Fi, you make the switch, and boom, you're already... You're there. You're on your you're on your other plan. Yeah, I love it. And Aerolo, which you mentioned, is one of those eSIM providers, right? That you could opt to use. And so when you use an eSIM provider, you're basically buying the data plan ahead of time. Yep. While you're planning your trip, and then you install the eSIM via those few clicks that we talked about. At, there's a QR code oftentimes that can help you activate it. You're able to connect and use your phone like normal then. Uh, and the prices are incredibly reasonable for yeah. a lot of these eSIM providers, unlike, like you said, <laughs> what you pay with somebody like Mint. And so they're they're also much, much cheaper than what Verizon or AT&T will charge oh, you. Sure. Oftentimes they'll charge you for a month or for a, you know, a certain amount for days of usage or per gig. And, and that can rack up and get really expensive really quickly too. And considering how easy it is to do this eSIM thing, to find a good eSIM provider, provider that has reasonable rates to to make the purchase and then make the switch once you're over in the country. It's just, it's so simple um, and it's so much less expensive to to go that route, you, either that or the Google Fi route, than it is yeah. to basically buy service ahead of time from your US provider. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, Airlo sp- specifically, it's it seems solid. Uh, there were some bad reviews from frustrated customers on on what one website that we checked out, uh, but Nomad that's actually another another one that we heard good things about. Bottom line, the service isn't going to be all that different. So looking at the price per gig is going to be the main consideration. And oftentimes, like on the lower end, like you are looking at something closer to like a dollar thirty a gig on the high end, something like two dollars. And there's some different sites online, some different aggregators. There's a site actually that, like I mentioned, listener Greg, eSIMDB, so eSIM database. I think it's .org, but we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. But it allows you to compare these prepaid plans from anywhere in the world. And what's great about it as well is that you can focus specifically on the country where you know you are going to be traveling, right? So it's not just, let's say, a, a European eSIM provider. It's specific to the country. And so they might be able to provide you with the absolute best rates yeah. because, hey, all you truly need is a car that works in France, not one that works for the, the entire EU. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, it's eSIMDB.com. Oh, dot com's yeah. not work? Okay. Not, dot, not work. Nice. But it's one of those great aggregator sites, which is like, yeah, you plug in where you're trying to go, and then it says, okay, boom, here's a list of you know, eSIM providers and what they charge. And so check out a few of the, the lowest cost providers that pop up when you're scanning that site, and then maybe dig in just a little bit into those companies, read the reviews. Oh, yeah, this one, this one, this one checks out. This one does good. And it's one of the one of the cheapest prices available as well. So I think that can yep. be a great resource. Big thanks to, to listener Greg for mentioning to uh, mentioning it to us. I didn't know about eSIMDB. Yeah. But I'm glad it's a good site. Glad well, to know it exists. I feel like I'm a international travel noob to a certain extent. Yeah. Right? Like, I, like, I don't know, you got four kids. It's been like 10 years, <laughs> over 10 years since I traveled abroad. And so, but like just until, dig- until this year. Yeah. Until earlier this year. Exactly. But digging into it even more, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is way easier than it used to be. Uh, there is absolutely no reason. And it's, we didn't pay $200 per gig. When, <laughs> when, no. when we went to Scotland, 
but we also didn't have data. And so <laughs> we were just limited to using our phones wherever we had Wi-Fi, I know, I which paid, was fine. I paid for 10 bucks worth of data, but I didn't realize how extremely limited that data was going to be. And I so got just, you like three pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it ran out in like no time flat and I was like, oh, this sucks. And so then when yeah. you put it into context like that, you're like, wait a second, wait it's because it's outrageously expensive yes. and there was a better way. And you and I, we should have been smarter and we should have known that ahead of time. Yeah. But but now we do and now Seda knows. Hey, so. yeah. And, and uh, we were just talking about this this morning. As the kids are getting older, I I mean, I Kate and I, we are going to be traveling more yeah. and finding ways to cut those costs. That's definitely something that we're going to be doing. I will say there's something nice about having to rely on your old school maps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, old school maps and just kind of walking around, like asking people. Gas station directions. Uh, like where you should go as opposed to checking the reviews and digitally reserving stuff. You know, like there's certainly we're praising the advances in technology and what that allows us. But there's something that you kind of miss out on from having more of those in-person interactions. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But uh, we've got more to get to today. We're going to talk about pensions. We're going to talk about paying to clean your house. We'll get to all of that and more right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money joel so we were just recounting our trip to scotland this is the trip that we took this time last year actually with some of our friends over the weekend and one of the highlights from edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop Mm -hmm. they were fresh out of the oven they had that perfectly flaky crust but guess what that serendipitous experience would never had happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel we had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town thanks to airbnb ah man i'm still dreaming about those meat pies you're making my (laughs) you're making me drool and while turning to airbnb might be a no-brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
All right, we're back. We've got more money questions to get to on this episode. In just a second, we've got a listener who ha- who wants to know whether or not he should be buying what his financial advisor friend is selling. Uh, but before we get to that, we've got a listener who's a teacher, and it sounds like she's in that FIRE movement, Matt. Hi, Joel and Matt. My name is Erin, and I'm from right outside of Baltimore. I love your show so much. Thanks for everything you do, and hope to hear an answer to my question if you get a chance. I am 17 years into the 30 years needed in the state of Maryland for a full pension for teachers. I plan on retiring right at 53 after I have my 30 years in and getting that pension. I might work part-time and I might not, and the pension will cover a significant amount of my retirement, but obviously I can't get into my accounts until 59 and a half. I currently have $135,000 in a Roth IRA and only about $16,000 in my 403B. My plan for between 53 and 59 and a half is to start contributing to a 457 so that money is available once I retire and also thinking about maybe cutting into the principal for my Roth IRA, which I know is not always the best choice. I kind of just want to see if you guys think I'm on the right track or if there's something else I should be doing. All right. Erin has a plan. I love it. She's She's got it all laid out. Oh, yeah. And I will say, when we first listened to her question, I thought she was going to say, I'm 17 years old. And <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, man, this does not sound like a, I don't know. I guess a 17-year-old could sound like Erin. <laughs> but probably couldn't have had that long of a teaching tenure. No, def- definitely not there. Uh, teaching from the age of two. Well, speaking of which, I'm glad to hear, Erin, that you are a teacher, right? Because we have seen a lot of folks leaving that profession. And it's understandable, given what it is that we've asked of teachers and how their pay hasn't necessarily kept up with what it is that they could get uh, where they to work for a private company in a lot of cases. But it's just one of the most important jobs in existence, teaching the next generation. So thank you so much for the almost two decades that you've, you've put in yeah, so far. Definitely a sacrifice, right? Yeah. We don't give teachers enough respect in our society. And, or uh, enough pay. Yeah, and I think maybe we used to. But I, I feel like that's dropped off significantly, uh, especially given what teachers went through with COVID. Oh um, gosh. I feel like they deserve even more respect because their job got yeah. doubly, if not more so hard. Uh, so Aaron, we think you're awesome. So th- thank you mm-hmm. for your service in that profession. And retiring at 53, that's pretty sweet. That's one of those things, Matt, kind of like we talked about with, with Lacey Langford, um, uh, talking about military, like that ability to retire early is there for teachers who, I mean, granted, if you start right out of college and you work for straight 30 years, yeah, you're talking about being able to retire in your early 50s, which is killer. Mm-hmm. And so, and having the option to work or not at such a young age, that's clutch, right? A lot of people would love to have that ability, uh, but they haven't necessarily dedicated themselves to this effort as solidly as Aaron has. And Aaron, you're funding other retirement accounts. You're not just banking on the pension, covering all of your living expenses in the future, which is incredibly wise. We want all teachers to be proactive because, you know, while having that pension, that's obviously an incredible perk. And it's a perk that a whole lot of people don't have access to. Not many people have pensions anymore, but it's unlikely to cover, like you said, all of your expenses. That's and right. so funneling your uh, your dollars into other workplace and individual retirement accounts like you're doing, that's essential. And that is what's going to help you in particular kind of cover that specific period of time, those six, six and a half years of, hey, I'm done teaching school, but Eh, I'm not really full retirement age. Exactly. And it does sound like she's done a pretty good job at doing just that. And specifically, I love, Aaron, that you've prioritized the Roth IRA so much. It's one of our favorite retirement accounts. It's definitely one that you should keep putting money into. 
largely because of the uh, the tax advantaged status, but then also because of the flexibility that it offers that you that you highlighted, uh, you know, trying to figure out where to draw from in order to fund those handful of years. If you do decide that you don't want to work at all, like that can be a tough needle to thread. But having some of that flexibility, like you said, having the ability to draw down on principal or uh, on the contributions that you've made to your IRA. That's clutch. Specifically, that's one of the coolest parts of a Roth IRA. Yeah, it's been a minute since we've we've touched on that. If we haven't touched on that. Any money that you contribute to your Roth IRA, there is zero penalty for whatever reason you take that money out. Like sometimes folks are like, That's because it's a post-tax account, right? And Mm -hmm. you've already paid tax on those dollars. And so when you're socking money away into that, yes, you, you can leave that money there for a long, long time. Um, but if you want to, even before you reach retirement age, you can pull out the contributions, not the money that's been earned inside of that account, but the contributions are tax and penalty free. Exactly. And not for qualified expenses. Sometimes folks get confused with the uh, the first time home buyer mm-hmm. or education expense. No, like literally for anything, if it's a contribution, yep. you can take that money out. You can pull it out because you want to get your hair done, which is a bad <laughs> idea, but like you can. <laughs> if, you, if you wanted to though. <laughs> but I mean, that being said, in an ideal world, you wouldn't tap those Roth funds until you are actually in retirement as those as you let those dollars continue to grow. But if you continue to be diligent with your contributions and you continue to fund your Roth IRA, Roth IRA, I think it's it's more than it's, it's a more than reasonable place to w- withdraw funds from if you yeah. are interested in retiring sooner than your peers. Yeah, if you well, put if you put if your peers or teachers, I guess they might they be might. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But just what, but what the IRS not. typically allows at fifty nine and a half. Maybe not, because they might wake up to the realization of like, oh pension, I thought I was gonna retire too, but I haven't This isn't enough. But I haven't saved enough money to ensure that I can, whereas mm-hmm. whereas Aaron is. She's yep. making sure that that's gonna be the case. And so yeah, I think it's I think it makes sense to be able to pull some of those contributions to cover that handful of years so that she can quit her job when she wants to. And uh, by the way, the annual contribution limit for Roth goes up to $7,000 next year. That's the, right now it's 6,500, but next year it's going to be seven grand. So let's just say, Matt, that she's got 16 years left to fully fund that Roth before she retires. That's $112,000 in contributions that she'll be able to make. And she can withdraw those between the ages of 53 and 59 and a half between the time where she's quitting work and between the time that she's able to you know, fully start tapping the funds. Uh, and that's in addition to the other contributions you've already made, which I'm not sure what oh, yeah. specific amount of how much you have in your Roth is contributions. Let's just say it's she's like already got money stockpiled in there. 40 grand. That's about 150 grand, let's say, in, in contributions overall. That's a decent chunk of change. That's a lot of money. You still have lots of money left over in the Roth in addition to that, hopefully as well, right? The gains that you aren't allowed to tap until you do hit that 59 and a half mark. So yeah, you would still have hopefully lots of money in your Roth, but you're taking out some of the money that you have pigeonholed essentially for that purpose. And I think that I think that's a, a reasonable plan. I think it makes a lot of sense. I agree, man. Yeah. It's just, I, I will say it's important to note that while it's harder to access funds for those years and the Roth contributions are a great way of going about it, you're probably planning for a much longer retirement beyond 59 and a half, right? Like, like we're talking about funding cost of living for like another 35, 40 years. And so take that into account because that could mean possibly funneling even more money into your 457B for the time being so that, you know, you're you're building up more of a, of a retirement nest egg. Or it could uh, actually mean working a little more, maybe working part time during those six and a half years between teacher retirement yeah. and real or I don't want to say real retirement, like IRS retirement age, yeah. to ensure that you're tapping fewer of those Roth contribution dollars. Not necessarily taking it from like 
the scale dialed all the way up to literally taking it down to zero, like 40 hours a week or whatever right. plus to, to zero hours a week saying, uh, maybe I'll work 10, 12, 15 hours a week in order to not have to pull those Roth. Quite com- as much. Yeah. N- not, not have to pull as much money out. Well, cause then a, you allow that money to con- continue to grow. But then obviously if you're working part time or if you've got another job, something that you're, you're passionate about, it allows you to, obviously it's money that you're able to live off of, right? Like this is money that you're using to pay the bills. But the double benefit of that is by not having to tap your retirement dollars. If the market happens to be down, well, you're not. It's sequence of returns risk, right? If the market is down and you ha- you're like, oh, I don't have any other way to supplement my pension that I'm now receiving. I have to draw down. Compare that to let's say the market's at all time highs and mm-hmm. you start withdrawing. That nest egg at all time highs is going to last a lot longer than if the the market's in the red. Yeah. And so that's that's another benefit of having the the options and the flexibility. But then also. So we, we kind of presented two options, right? Like the ability to either start investing and saving more now or just working perhaps a little bit longer. I know if it was me, I wouldn't want to cut back to the bone right now because there are other goals that I have in my life in the here and now, right? Like having kids makes it easy because you're like, all right, I know I've got 18 years or less if your kid's older before they're gone from the house. And so that's a very limited window of time, right? But even if you don't have kids, I'm sure you might have some other, like, let's just say travel goals that you might have. You might want to go travel with your friends and you might be thinking, okay, am I going to have the energy? Do I want to travel like that when I'm 53, 54, 55? If I'm in my 60s, yeah. is that something that I want to even do at that point in time? Yeah. And I think it's important to kind of, I, I love that Erin has planned ahead and she's got this idea of what she wants her life to look like, but also hold those plans loosely, at least to a certain extent. Sure. Right. And so, uh, I would say I would say save in a way and invest in a way that these plan that you can pull these plans off that maybe you won't have to work um, at all between those sure. ages of fifty three yeah, yeah. and fifty nine. I think it's a great goal to have, but also realize that as you get closer to that, you might say, you know what, I am tired of teaching. I've been teaching for thirty years, but I would I, I still want to be of use, and I would still actually I've got this other opportunity over here. Yeah. Like my father in law, he's still teaching. He's I think he's almost forty years into teaching, which is incredible, and he spends even his summers like working for the college board. And so maybe when he retires, quote unquote, he'll still work for the college board um, part time or something like that. There's all sorts of options. After to, he's already retired from the public. That's school, right. Like, that's right. From public to private. Then, then yeah, there, there are just so many avenues and paths that you can take. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen this with my folks, my dad, and then also my in-laws. They're both like 20 years into retirement and they worked during that period of time. And it wasn't for the pay. It was partly because they had uh, a desire to go to work for some of these organizations that could not pay quite as much, but That's it right. was work that they enjoyed, that they found meaningful. And there's a lot of inherent value in what it is that you're able to provide an so employer. What you're, what or you're other pursuing people. is optionality. Yeah, And yeah. this is exactly what, what Aaron's going to have by putting essentially as many dollars as you can in that Roth IRA, knowing that that gives her the most optionality because of the way those contributions can be treated. So Aaron, yep. you're taking the right approach and just kind of mentally, I would say, hold it loosely too as to exactly what your life's going to look like in those years. Those are that That's a decade and a half plus down the road, but you're on the right path here and we encourage you to kind of keep making these right decisions and keep going yeah. in this direction and then we're excited to you know see what that actually looks like for you in reality. Too. Yeah, I love that she's got a plan and she is, she is guiding and steering her own ship, yes. right? As opposed to seeing just where the wind uh, <laughs> ends up taking her. And like we said, a lot of her fellow teachers might think, oh, pension, this is great. I'll retire after 30 years. And they might realize that they have to keep teaching because they didn't they don't financially have prepare in yeah. the other ways that they needed to also. So, That's right. Um, yeah, this right. is great. Let's hear from our next listener. And he's considering taking some financial advice from a friend, or is he a friend? 
Hey, Matt and Joel. My name is Nathan, and I live in Huntington Beach, California. And I have a buddy who recently became a financial advisor, and he's trying to sell me on this permanent life insurance. And he's really trying to make it sound like it's the best thing since an HSA and craft beer. He says it comes with cool stuff like tax-deferred high-yield savings, and I'm able to take out low-rate personal loans if I take out a loan against my permanent life insurance. Um, I just don't know too much about it. I wanted to see if you guys could put your input. I'm only 24 years old and I have no dependents. Also, if you're ever in Orange County, there's some great breweries you guys should check out. Thanks, you guys. Love the show. Oh, man. Nathan, your buddy, he might be cool, but he's way off on this. <laughs> and uh, largely because there's nothing better than HSAs and craft beer that's come along. That I know of. But uh, <laughs> those, are, those are two of my all-time favorite things. Yep. Can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah. And we're so glad that you reached out because so many folks in the same situation, they would kind of trust their friend on this one. They would buy the policy. They would tell themselves, well, they are a financial advisor, right? So, so this friend must know a whole lot more than me. And because of that trust, they'll end up pulling the trigger. And this isn't the same thing as affinity fraud, but what there's this concept <laughs> of, or this reality of affinity fraud that happens where it's like, oh, you know this person. They go to your church or synagogue or they, you know, you run in the same circles, in the same community. This is how Bernie Madoff made so much money. People are like, I know Bernie. He's the, he's what a great guy. And he's uh, he's in this civic organization and that one. And so they gave him money to invest. In the, and it was this kind of belief that because they knew him, he wasn't going to do anything treacherous. And yet he ended up doing more treachery than almost anyone in human history. Well, I will say, so it's not that this is, so the affinity part is true. But like, not the fraud. But not the fraud part. Exactly. <laughs> because, exactly. Because it's not like... That's where I was going. It's like, okay, yes. Okay, okay. I, so I'm saying it's kind of like that because there's this there's this belief that... The be, affinity part's there. Yeah, I don't, th your friend is not trying to fraud you. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's not trying it's to... It's not a total scam. Yes, he's not trying to scam <laughs> you. Uh, but, but basically, there are a slew of reasons why these policies aren't as great as he's making them out yes, to be. Yeah. And just because he's your friend doesn't mean you should listen to him and buy in hook, line, and sinker. This is almost 100% a really bad idea for you, specifically at this stage of life, Nathan. Yeah, yeah. There is actual insurance that's being provided. It's an investment financial product, but it's just not the most efficient, high-performing way of achieving that. Like, mm -hmm. it, it makes me think about, like, a timeshare. Do you actually get to go to the beach when you buy a timeshare? Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a place to sleep? Are you on vacation? Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> but... Is it easier to hop onto Airbnb and find a deal or go to Verbo? Oh my gosh, yes, that's a much much better way of going about it, and that's kind of. Are you not signing your you know life away in a twenty year contract? Yes, yes, yeah, it's, it's very similar in that way, and some of the different perks that are being provided by a, a permanent life insurance policy, they certainly sound nice. But I'm guessing he probably didn't tell you how much the policy actually costs. It's like if I was going to the Chevy dealership and they're telling me how great this new Corvette is. And I'm like, oh, yeah, horsepower. Oh, that oh, sounds nice. Yeah, I can see it. Zero <laughs> to 60 in how long? And uh, they're going to tell me all those great things. And then finally, they're going to tell me the price tag. And I'm be like, yeah, I'm just going to walk away. You know, <laughs> exactly. They are incredibly expensive. These, these policies, they can cost you something like 20 times in premiums compared to what a term policy with the exact same coverage uh what that would run you so instead of a you know just like a couple hundred bucks in premiums every single year for insurance you're talking about dishing out thousands of dollars for that policy instead so you'd be far better off not getting this policy and instead shoving that money into tax-advantaged accounts instead, just like we talked about uh, with the Roth IRA yeah. on our last question. Yeah, if you're talking about maxing out your Roth IRA versus not being able to max it out and getting this permanent life insurance policy, there's a clear winner. Like, it's not even close, mm -hmm. and it's maxing out the Roth. And so we'd much rather see you putting more money 
into that retirement account, into your workplace retirement account, make sure you're getting the full match or even more, rather than putting those crucial dollars into a really, really expensive life insurance policy. And it's and it's truly when it comes down to it, it's one that you don't even need. And what I mean by that, yeah, yeah. right, is what, <laughs> what makes this pitch even more difficult to stomach. And again, it's not fraud. It's just selling the wrong product to the wrong person. It's that you're incredibly young. You don't have any dependents. You likely don't even need a super cheap cheap term life policy yet, right? Like no at, need to recommend that point, either because there's nobody that is count, who is counting on your income were you to die. Right. When your status changes, maybe the, the older you get, you you get married, you have kids, something like that. Eventually, you might have the need for something like a term life policy. Will you ever have the need for a permanent life policy? Unlikely, possibly, but it definitely, definitely is the case that you don't need one now. And so I guess our what we would say is even the 200 bucks that you might spend on a term life policy, even that would be kind of wasted, essentially, until the need arises. Totally. Yeah. Could not agree more. And so the question is, <laughs> why is your friend selling you on this policy so hard? And and you even said that word, right? So I think deep down, you kind of know. He's like, oh, he's trying to trying to sell me this this policy. We don't want to throw shade, but, <laughs> but it's probably because he, he stands to make a pretty sweet commission by selling you this policy. And maybe he's somewhat tricked his own mind into believing that everyone and their mom out there needs one of these life insurance policies, even if the reality is that these aren't all that great for the majority of folks. Like it makes me the Upton Sinclair quote that, that comes to mind, you know, as far as was it? Oh yeah. yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's hard to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on his not understanding it. Oh yeah. I feel like that might be the boat that, that he's in. So it's gonna be hard to convince him it's because be hard he's to convinced convince himself. Him, and he may not even fully know because to be, I could, did he say financial advisor or a financial? He said financial advisor, but it could, like, yeah, maybe it's an, he's just an insurance salesman. The, yes, I, don't know. I mean, there's not. It's not like he's a, a surgeon or a doctor where he's taken some oath. He's not necessarily a fiduciary, and so he might be thinking, "Oh, this is something that people out there buy," and it definitely is, but it just may not be what's best for you. Yeah, exactly. So for now. As a 24-year-old with no dependents, we would say focus on the basics. Get the match in the workplace retirement account. Max out your Roth IRA if you can. If you have access to to an HSA, which you alluded to in your question, try to get some money into into that account too. Yeah. Invest some of those dollars for your future, right? Learn more about the HSA and maximize your ability to, to crush it with that account. Just don't get a ridiculously expensive insurance policy that you don't need just for the secondary perks that it offers. And you can always get a much cheaper term life policy in the future when, again, things in your life change. But And, and you don't have to be rude or mean to your friend, too. Again, I, I, I said that about affinity fraud and Bernie Madoff. I really was not trying <laughs> to... to to loop your friend in and say that he's on a similar plane. He's not. I don't believe that in any way, form, or fashion. But the truth is, the closer we are to people, the more likely we are to believe them. Matt, if you told me yeah. that I should take a new way home because it's a lot faster, I would believe you. I wouldn't even look it up on Google Maps just because I trust you, right? Yeah. Um, and that, that is a natural response. And so, uh, but something like this, when it's this expensive, we're talking about this much money, and you know, your, your friend has a dog in the fight because he stands to benefit financially from selling you this product. It's not necessarily that he's trying trying to screw you over. But maybe he believes that something is great when, in our opinion, it's subpar, especially given the situation that you're in. Exactly. All right. We've got more to get to. We're actually going to take a couple listener money wins. There are some listeners over in the How to Money Facebook group. They are crushing it when it comes to their money. We're going to, one in particular, has started paying for what she previously considered to be a splurge and completely unnecessary. We'll get to that and more right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. 
So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money joel so we were just recounting our trip to scotland this is the trip that we took this time last year actually with some of our friends over the weekend and one of the highlights from edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop. Mm-hmm. They were fresh out of the oven. They had that perfectly flaky crust. But guess what? That serendipitous experience would never have happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel. We had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town, thanks to Airbnb. Ah, oh, man. I'm still dreaming about those meat pies. You're making, my, <laughs> you're making me drool. And while turning to Airbnb might be a no-brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel, it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money. Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, Matt, we're back. And yeah, we got to get to, I think, a few Facebook listener money wins. There have been some great... Great shares in there recently. And by the way, if you're listening and you're not a member of the How to Money Facebook group, you should go over there. You should sign up. You should join, largely because if you've got a question, it's a great place to ask it. Uh, if you're just looking for insight and wisdom, it's a great place to turn. Uh, and it's you know, the actually literally the only thing I use Facebook for, that and Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> and other than that, I avoid Facebook altogether. Uh, but Except for keeping up with your ex-girlfriends from high school. <laughs> Duh. Doesn't everyone do that? No, I don't. Let's be honest. Joel never didn't have any ex-girlfriends <laughs> from high school. Matt, girls wouldn't date me back then. I got... I had a couple. I found one that would date me, and it, I stuck to her. Uh, but uh, Pam posted in our Facebook group this week, and she said, we've been trying to cut our grocery bill, and we have successfully cut out about $400 a month, nice, which is a lot of money. By doing the following, she said, using the free Walmart pickup, this has helped curb any impulse purchases by not entering the store. Using the app Upside, the local grocery chain, she said, I use, has up to 8% cash back on the app. 
uh, when I see a higher percentage, that's the day I shop. Very said, nice. Using my Costco membership to buy more items in bulk. She said, I've stopped being stuck in my ways. So I started buying off-brand items too. And then pre-making some breakfast food, like that kind of stuff. So uh, uh, she said, I'm, I'm trying to figure out even more ways to save, but I feel like this has been a good start. So Matt, I th there's a few things I think we could talk about on this. One, congrats to Pam, to like saving 400 bucks a month. That's insane. Like that is a lot of money to cut. It's a big chunk. And especially I think uh, for a lot of people right now, they've seen the reality of inflation at the grocery store. And maybe they bought the narrative that there's nothing they can do about it. And I think Pam is living proof that there are things you can do to push back on the reality of higher prices. I'm not saying that it's not true, that prices aren't more expensive at the grocery store. They are. But I think there's there are also things that we can do to fight back. And Absolutely. Uh, let's go through a couple of these. One of the things she said was using pickup. Yeah. What do you think about the... Uh, well, specifically with Walmart, it's the fact that it's free. But uh, I think it's free at Kroger uh, as well. I think... Oh, is it? I think, I think we pickup so far from specifically a, from is. A, from a Kroger. And I, I know at Aldi, it costs... There's a very small fee associated yeah. with it. It's just, it's just I, a couple bucks. So I think the coolest thing about pickup, I think pickup is this is this beautiful, happy medium it, versus going in the store, which takes a lot of time, versus delivery, which costs a lot of extra money, right? So sometimes there's like delivery fee and tip fee. But then on top of that every item that you buy might cost more money and probably usually does cost more money too let's say you're buying if you're doing instacart on a site like instacart yeah, yeah. and so um it's a huge the, downside well and then just the pickup is great because the they want to bring it out to your car but you're also the online shopping part though if like the having to man like i've seen folks on their phones and i'm like for all the time that you just spent on your phone not talking to the people around you as you've been responding to somebody who's shopping for you because they can't find the item and they're asking for replacements. Yeah. You should have just gone <laughs> and done it yourself yeah. and saved all the money and it may maybe would have taken just Well, as I'm much a time. weirdo and I like grocery shopping, so um, I usually do the grocery shopping in our house anyway because I enjoy it. But for most people who don't or feel like they don't have the time, I think ordering online and then picking it up makes a whole lot of sense. Because the other thing uh, that Pam mentioned was those impulse purchases. They are there. They get you, right? They get you at the grocery store. And that is one massive benefit of doing the pickup is you're not tempted to get the stuff on the end cap that costs a lot of money. I think it comes down to knowing yourself, right? And if you know that you're going to be tempted uh, then maybe that's a situation you should completely avoid. I personally don't do a whole lot of our grocery shopping. But because of that, I don't think I've developed that muscle. And so anytime I do go to the grocery store, dude, I always come home with stuff. And Kate's like, what is this? <laughs> because she like she has it down to a science. And so like the time-saving part of it doesn't really apply because literally she can get in and out of Aldi faster than anyone I know. Like she knows her items. She knows exactly what it is that we need. So there's not a whole lot well, of... She's also on rollerblades. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome if she did do that. But she's like, dude, she would make a great contestant on Supermarket Sweep. <laughs> I wanted to mention, so she was talking about getting uh, more items at Costco in bulk, specifically when they're on sale. That's something that we're considering doing, taking advantage of the ability to do that. Specifically, what I'm talking about here is potentially getting a deep freeze. Mm. I want to crunch the numbers a little bit, figure out how much it's actually going to cost me to run, to power a deep freeze uh, in our garage. Yeah, look at the Energy Star numbers or whatever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then try to calculate like how much do I actually think I can save? Cause the problem is, is if when you buy a whole lot of food, it's going to spoil if you don't eat it, obviously. Yeah. Right. And is there anybody who has an empty freezer uh, at home? No, like <laughs> everybody's freezer is always so packed out and the ability to buy more big old hunks of meat or vegetables, just whatever berries as they go on sale and keep them in the fridge, man. Like I wouldn't be able to do that to be a little more scrappy yeah, well, when those sales roll, come along. Buy them stock up in the proper season when things are on sale and then save yeah. them for later for sure. Exactly. One of the one of the other things she mentioned was she said, I've stopped being stuck in my ways and I started buying off-brand items. Oh, dude. Which I love. This is 
I think this is the biggest thing. There's so much potential for savings there that what, you could change where you shop, which is one of the things she said she did. But and we've we always recommend Aldi. We think it's the it's if, the if you're going to do one thing, that's probably the it's, biggest thing. Like in my mind, it's the lowest hanging fruit, yeah. easiest thing because like she also mentioned the this, app. Uh, which can be nice, yeah. but that's sort of, in my mind, it's, it's couponing 2.0. Yeah. Uh, it's like a little bit of add-on. There's more hoops to jump through. But the biggest thing is where you shop and then, yes. and then yes. discount or, or, excuse me, store brand items. Lots of times you can get them 30 to 40% off what the brand name cost is, sometimes even more. And Consumer Reports, by the way, they did a taste test a few years back, and they found most people can't tell the difference between a lot of these store brand and name brand items. And so it's certainly worth another shot. And especially when you're talking about Aldi or Lidl shopping at one of those oh stores, gosh. because all you have to do is just go to one of those two grocery stores, go to Aldi. And well, they've got the guarantee. Everybody has one of those. Near so if them. it sucks, you can take it back. If you're like, wait, yeah. these fake Oreos don't taste like Oreos, <laughs> no, take no, them it's, back. It's the Aldi Doritos that are, that are terrible. <laughs> I know. You know what? Actually, I got a lot of flack for that. I think we're going to stop getting the American singles, like the slices of cheese. Uh-huh. It's the plastic on when you go to peel the cheese, it breaks. And so we were recently doing burgers and I was slapping, you know, everybody. I know you don't like cheeseburgers, but all the rest of I like hamburgers. I, I, all I like the rest of the world. White cheddar on likes a cheeseburger, Joel. <laughs> and I was cracking those bad boys open and the, the plastic kept ripping. It was like a cheap tape oh yeah gross. when you're trying to, when, when you're trying to like you know like if you got some packing tape and you're trying to get a big piece of tape off and it keeps like shredding yeah that's what the plastic was doing and i was afraid that there's going to be a little piece of plastic on the on the cheeseburgers i was a little paranoid it kind of stressed me out yeah i told kate i don't think we should be getting this cheese anymore because i don't think it's worth it yeah. <laughs> because of this way i was like i don't want yeah i don't want anybody to be munching on yeah. any plastic but i, th- uh, I think more than anything all the alone just go there and I know we easily saved 30, if not 40% just from going there instead of Kroger. Well, I feel like Pam's whole post summed up a lot of the advice we would give to someone who's asking, how do you save money at the grocery store? And pre-making some some meals like that too saves money on buying some of those pre-packaged foods. And it also just- Or even eating out. Yeah, exactly. There's that temptation. If you've got it ready to go- I've got a meal in the freezer. Kind of feels like fast food. I can pop it in the oven and we've got dinner tonight. Uh, Those are the kind of things to think through if you want to save at the grocery store. And they're they're just a lot of the the low-hanging fruit, a lot of the easy steps that a lot of people are just kind of unwilling to take. So kudos to you, Pam, for actually doing it. Good work, Pam. And for saving as much much money as you have. Grocery budgets, I think it's something around 10% of what it is that we spend every single month. So any ability that we have to adjust something like that, that we have total control over is a huge win in our book. Uh, Another win is from Bonnie. And she said, life win more than a money win, a craft beer equivalent. I have always told myself that when I make X dollars or when I had enough money, whatever that means, I would hire someone to clean my house a couple times a month. However, I could never pull the trigger, even though we are now debt free, except for our two and a quarter percent mortgage. Wow. Humble, Jealous. humble brag. <laughs> uh, we are maxing out retirement accounts, etc. Then I had a realization that I hesitate to invite people to my home due to feeling like it is never clean enough. And she wrote, I do realize friends and family likely won't notice or care. <laughs> so I pulled the trigger on spending the $250 a month for the freedom to have people over at any time and being able to enjoy my time off work more without feeling guilty for procrastinating on cleaning the house. Mm. Joel, what are your thoughts on Bonnie's money win? I like that. You're going to get all judgy? No. <laughs> Honestly, the exact opposite. I love that she's spending money in this way. And I love that she's connecting it to a deeper value that she has. That it's not just like, uh, I don't like cleaning or, oh, I want to be lazy, right? It is truly, 
you know what? What I really value is community, having people over my house and not and and being it's able a very to do thoughtful it approach. on a whim whenever I want to, and that's why I want to get this done, uh, which is cool. And obviously, she's financially prepared to do it. She can make this decision no matter what the underlying reason is, yep. because she's making the other smart money moves. It just it makes me think of our conversation with Ben from Chronify uh, about you know time and money, and what he talked about was this one night of the week where they get takeout from their favorite Mediterranean place, mm-hmm. and it was more than just like ah we don't have to cook because. We don't like cooking. It was it was really it was so much deeper than that. The way he connected the money he spent on that to, you know what? It means no cleanup. It means we can just really enjoy this family dinner and then play games afterwards without having to worry about cleaning up the kitchen. He talked about, and, speaking of clean, he talked about it being like clean eating as well. So he's yeah. just like, like, it's a healthy meal as opposed to fast food. So in his case, it was going to cost more than getting like a burrito or something from, well, yeah, burritos can be pretty healthy. Like a cheeseburger. Uh, go back to Better than getting a cheeseburger and fries. Uh, but he was also valuing, not in, in this case, not just time spent together in community or relationship with his family, but also like his physical health, yeah. which is great yeah. too. And I think when lots of times we're doing stuff from pure convenience standpoint and we're not really connecting the dollars we're spending to something deeper. And I think even just reframing it and, and okay, why am I spending money like this again? It can help us feel less guilty about spending money in that direction and thinking of it. That's why we talk about the craft beer equivalent. When you can think of money you're spending on even just a splurge and saying like, this is something that brings me a lot of joy for this, this, and this reason. When you can call those things out, it can help connect the money spent to the deeper reason it's a good thing. Uh, and it makes me even think about our episode with Ken Honda back in the day and how that helped me change how we were spending money in a couple of ways. And it just made me feel less guilty about doing it. Yeah. And, and I think I've always had this this ability to be guilt-ridden when it comes to how I spend money, largely because of the way I just felt like I had to save and invest everything. And I've grown up, I've realized, especially in recent years, that's really silly. And there's a lot of good that can come from spending your money well on things that you care about. And so, but, but connecting the dots is really important. Yeah. That being said, and I, I completely agree with everything that you're saying, I think that... <sighs> Like they, sometimes you don't even need to justify your spending if you are reaching your financial goals. And, and so I think that's a huge part of Bonnie's story, right? The fact that she has achieved her financial, some different financial goals or milestones that she's got going on. And for her, the bigger one here is that she has mentally arrived, right? Yeah. Like she's, she's already, she's previously financially arrived. And now for her to mentally arrive to, uh, at that point, she's kind of doing it through thinking about community. And again, everything that you said and everything that she's saying, I completely agree with. But I think like this is, the, I guess, the more libertarian approach. If you are reaching your financial goals, I don't even really care what you spend your money on. Hopefully there's some sort of ideal, something that's driving you like a way that you're able to justify it. But honestly, like, I don't even really care because you have, as long as you aren't making excuses for goals that you aren't achieving. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in my mind, I, I almost see it as like a black or white thing. You know, I don't want you to like literally flush money down the toilet <laughs> unless that somehow gives you some weird pleasure. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a kink? But like, we are all different people and we all have different things that we prioritize and things because for, for somebody else, it's just maybe their thing that they're able to connect it to is just, it truly is convenience. Maybe their big thing is, I just want to not have to think about anything. All right. That sounds like being lazy. Yeah. And, and, but if that's what it is for that person, I'm not going to tell anybody that that shouldn't be something that they spend money on. Yeah. So I love the fact that you can connect it to things that truly do bring you like life satisfaction and where you're able to hit some of these other goals in life other than just financial. 
But I also think if you are reaching your financial milestones, the different goals you have, that you can kind of spend your money however you want. Yeah. yeah or, you, or give it away, even. Sure. That's like, Which yeah. is, I think, another great goal. Um, yep. I, so I, I think people like Bonnie are probably rare, though. Usually, most people are like, don't have enough money left over to invest because they're spending on Bonnie, so many things to make their lives easier. Bonnie's on the frugal side. Yeah. Uh-huh. But there, I think probably there's a disproportionate amount of folks who listen to our podcast who do fall into that camp, who are totally. so bent yep. in the frugal direction that they have a hard time loosening the purse strings. And so I think it's a really good thing to go back and look and say, well, how much money do we have saved left over? Can we afford to splurge on this or that, the things that matter to us? Because you can't you can't spend on everything. We know that. Uh, if you choose to spend on everything, you, you won't have any money left over to save and invest and, and give m- money to the causes that matter to you. And so you have to be thoughtful about where you're putting those extra dollars. But I think that a lot of our listeners could stand to benefit from kind of what Bonnie's saying and maybe rethink some of those things that they had said were off limits for them financially and maybe start to dedicate more dollars in that direction. And it's going to prove to add a whole lot of happiness to their lives, but they just haven't given themselves permission to spend money in that direction yet. Absolutely. Yeah. Anchoring it to something that matters more to you than having actual dollars yeah. on hand. Because yeah. yeah, at the end of the day, what does what does that extra $200 a month mean for your financial future? Sure, you can run a return simulator on what the money invested in the S&P 500 is going to give mm-hmm. you. But how much joy is it going to give you in the here and now? And are you still going to have enough money in the future because you're already investing really well? Then maybe you can part with that 200 bucks and use it to spend on cleaning the house so that you can enjoy your friends and that extra bottle of wine you got to buy to the host. So <laughs> don't forget those ancillary costs, right. Bonnie, <laughs> but thank you for sharing that. And again, Joel mentioned the how to money Facebook group, head over there. If you have not yet checked it out, it's, I'm going to say the happiest place on the entire internet. <laughs> yeah. Internets. And there <laughs> aren't necessarily as many happy places as you would hope on the internet, but this mm, is one not at all. Yeah. But let's, man, let's get back to the beer. This one's called strawberry lemonade sunset. It's by inner voice brewing. What are your thoughts on this beer, man? Uh, so good. I will say that on the nose, I was expecting much more strawberry. Mm-hmm. Then when you start drinking it, I feel like there's more of the tart uh, lemon, uh, the sourness kind of com- yeah. coming through. More strawberry on the nose, more lemon on uh, on the tongue, in the actual mouth. I could 100% picture this being like a frozen drink. Oh, for sure. You know sure. what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, could you imagine these flavors? Like it, just the with a straw and you're, <laughs> you're sitting there beachside. That's what I was saying. This, this feels like a beach drink with an oh, umbrella yeah. in it. But, oh my gosh, yeah. But in beer form, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, strawberry lemonade, what a great what a great beverage. But turning it into a beer, I was worried that this was going to be like way too sweet, way too cloying or something the, the like sour that. was it was just right. No, it was great. This mm-hmm. was really well balanced. And lem- lemon can sometimes be a little too harsh, a little too tart for me. But this wasn't. This was perfectly balanced. Like got both the strawberry and the lemonade in there. And it was laid back version of kind of, uh, of something that I was thinking was going to be too intense. So mad yeah. props to the folks at Inner Boys for making just another great beer. Yeah. And if you have a 21-year-old and you're worried that they're not going to take up craft beer drinking like, <laughs> like you enjoy, try something like this, you know, because maybe they're used to enjoying the strawberry lemonade minute made frozen treat like at the <laughs> at six flags or whatever amusement park this is uh, a way to step it up to the next level yeah. if they're only drinking white claw this is a beer to give them so that they can try craft beer but uh, maybe the nice gateway drug you know what uh, that's going to be it for this episode of how to money you can find links uh, any of the different resources we may have mentioned in our show notes up on the website at howtomoney.com and so buddy until next time best friends out best friends out It's brand new season two. 
I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.